What day is it? Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to day 16 of A Year of War and Peace. I'm Brett. Hey, everyone. I'm Logan. And this is Volume 1, Part 1, Chapter 16. <gasps> the dinner continues. Yeah, you really we- dropped your voice there from the little silly voices we were doing. Can you go even lower? Hey, everyone. Welcome to A Whoa. Year of War and Peace. That was bassy. I was a bass. Oh, and, I was an and, alto. And choir. Okay, choir boy. I was looking for the word. Come on, choir boy. <laughs> Sing us a little song, choir boy. <laughs> choir boy. The dinner continues, and we start out with a debate between Shinshin, the officer, mm-hmm. and a German who is who <laughs> no, is a German Russian noted as a devout patriot, a devout which I Russian really patriot, liked. Uh, who speaks. With an insane German accent. In our, in, I don't know if it's every edition, but our edition writes out his accent. Crazily. Um, in his first, his first time speaking, he says, The reason why, my good sir, he said, is just that the emperor knows this too. In the proclamation, he says that he cannot send back and watch the danger threatening Russia. <laughs> it is crazy. So, yeah, if, if you guys don't have that, you're missing out. You're, you're real true. You're really missing out. This is the, the reason why, my dear sir. <laughs> so we have a very German German here. <laughs> Who is who? I is a, an immigrant to Russia. I guess well, uh, lives there. I, I yeah. is a member of their military. He's a member of their Maybe military. He's a, an immigrated officer for the military, yeah. and so he's commanded the so Russian at military. Some, at some point, for a while. he is becomes a, a citizen. Citizen, maybe. Anyway. Question he mark. Likes, he's a big Russian guy. Huge, he's a Russian huge, German. He's a German Russian. German. And he's debating with Shinshin about the war because Shinshin doesn't think it's a good use of Russian time and manpower. Shinjin thinks it's sort of a, a waste and doesn't really see the point in going out to fight in Europe against Napoleon with Austria. He feels like it's just going to be a waste of men. And the German has a couple of interesting counterpoints, I think. Um, it's just sort of, one of them is just kind of blind patriotism of like, do what the czar tells us and don't think about it. He literally says, we should just think about things as little as possible. That is how we old soldiers see it. And that is all there is to see. So, I don't know about that one. Very interesting, very yeah. interesting perspective. From that him. one struck, he, his entire character strikes me as odd. I think that maybe he's just supposed to be kind of a caricature of... Maybe. Um, Maybe Tolstoy just really didn't like Germans very much. I was going to say, when was this? When was this written? Eighteen sixties, right? Fifties, late fifties, late fifties, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the Germans ever did to Tolstoy. <laughs> Both of the the last two Germans we've encountered have been a little odd. Yeah, like they've just been a little weird. <laughs> yeah, they're char- they're characters, but he he says that. But the other point he makes, which is interesting, is he actually quotes from the proclamation, the manifesto that was mentioned in the last chapter, the official declaration of war that the Tsar has sent out to join up with Austria and form the coalition against Napoleon. And he says, uh, he's talking about the sacredness of Russia's alliances in Europe and says, and the desire constituting the sole and immutable aim of the sovereign to establish peace in Europe on a firm foundation has determined him this day to dispatch a section of the army abroad and renew every effort towards the achievement of that purpose. So that's an interesting 
point that refers to the European, which is kind of brought up earlier with the Abbey, the European idea of the balance of power, yes. which was the theory that all the different powers in Europe had or should be or ought to be of approximately equivalent military strength so that none could ever get an overwhelming advantage over the other and that that would dissuade conflict that would dissuade them from from war because one couldn't sort of rise up and conquer all the others anyone who kind of gets out of line gets beaten back into place by the rest of the pack that's interesting because then you see in the napoleonic wars the alliance between austria and right that's exactly what french as soon as france starts running ahead yeah and taking land and getting all these victories they get endless constant coalitions of all the the, other european powers against the big thing with with the britain and Austria mm. and Russia, mm. which subsequently ends the Napoleonic Wars. But right, yeah. So that's what he's sort of referring to there is is that idea of the balance of power, which is obvi- yeah. obviously the growing French Empire. In addition to its anti monarchist your new position, empire, your new empire is is a problem <laughs> for them. Uh, they throw it to Nikolai, and Nikolai oh. has to play with the big boys. Nikolai, and he fails. Well, he does okay. Well, he doesn't fail. He, it's not horrible. He answers very over-enthusiastically. Yes, he says... He's the guy that's, like, a little too into it to the point where you're like, is that what you really believe? Or is that just, like, <laughs> what you heard on social media? Yeah, he's, he's, he's clearly trying to play along, but Julie Kerrigan loves it. <laughs> Fucking Julie. <laughs> she gushes. Dude, she gushes over it. Julie's... If Nikolai's trying too hard to fit in with the dogs, Julie's trying a little too hard to fit in... With Nikolai, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, she shouldn't have to do that. She's Julie Kerrigan. Julie Kerrigan. Julie Kerrigan sounds like someone I went to middle school with. Like, Julie, mom, Julie Kerrigan was mean to me again today. She told me my sweater was ugly. I'm sorry, Julie, but girl, you're, you gotta stop. Uh, He's in love with his cousin, Julie. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, Julie. I don't know what else to tell you, but he's in love with his cousin. Is he? I mean, he's having plenty. He's, he's having an okay time with Julie here. He's he's writing. He's writing Sonia poetry. That's true. He is also like seventeen or eighteen. He's a player. He's got a roster. He's building a player. <laughs> Julie and Sonia are just notches on the belt. <laughs> oh, he's got a roster. That killed me. <laughs> Woo! Nikolai's making his way around. Dude, Nikolai's a dirty dog. <laughs> He's a, he's a right back. He's got a roster you'd never believe. <laughs> but the German loves the response. Gets a little bit too enthusiastic. Starts yeah. banging on the table. And then Maria Dmitrievna gets angry at him. <laughs> scolds him from across, across. The OG Russian. The OG Russian. Imagine being a Russian patriot but not from Russia. And then you get scolded by the OG Russian. For real. How humbling. Imagine having a Sit German down. accent. Sit down. Oh, and then she has the best line where he basically comes back at her. It's like, I'm in the army. I'm I'm, I'm a patriotic. And then she hits him with the, I have four sons in the army, but I don't go on about it. (laughs) Killer. Killer. She shut him down. Dude, she's she's queening out. She's cold. She's cold. She's queening out. Queening out. Um, and then Natasha has a scene where she like has a bet with Petya, her younger brother, and it's it's kind of hard to tell from the context really of the thing. Weird. But what's happening here yeah. is that 
he's bet her, I guess, to basically make a ruckus at the table. And so, again, important to note, it's like an 80-person party. It's a huge party. And she's sitting in the middle or on the far end of the table from her mom. And so she shouts across the whole table in the middle of this conversational party to, to bug her mom about when the major, desserts are I had major secondhand embarrassment be. reading this. Um, yeah. I just kind of put my head in my hands. I don't love the fact that she's 13. To me, every time she speaks, it feels like a six to eight year old. Yeah. I feel like, I I don't know if that's a shortcoming on Tolstoy's part or just a... I don't know. Well, it's it's because I want to say it's like, oh, that's how she actually acted. She's not a real person. (laughs) But it's it's clear in, in certain scenes, the way he writes her, that he's not trying to emphasize her young age. But more so reflecting, I don't know. I don't, there's something very weird about the way that he writes Natasha specifically. Yeah. And you see it a little bit with Helene and Liza in the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. where they're written as like these almost like petulant children. Mm. A little less with Helene, but a lot with Eliza and that scene with Andre. And I just I think it's very weird. Like it's it's just yeah. You don't see it to the same degree with Sonia, but we also no. haven't seen as much of. We haven't Sonya, seen as much so as Sonya. I don't, I don't know. I think Natasha is supposed to be bratty, though. Like I think yeah. that that's very intentional. Well, I think that you can be bratty, but you can be the difference between being a bratty thirteen year old and being a bratty eight year old mm. are very different. Mm. This is true. So I don't know. It is weird. It, it is, is something. It is, it's it's weird to parse. It's something that I've I've noticed, and I don't think that I have enough context of Natasha's character in a setting that isn't her home mm. and interacting with characters that are her family members slash people who are close to her family to really understand her you know like i feel like she's so so informed by the environment that she's presently in yeah that i can't make any judgments about how tolstoy is writing her versus if that's just meant to be her character's personality yeah and then you mentioned like a lack of seeing interactions of her outside her home or outside of this context. Yeah, and I wonder if that's like well, developmentally. I was going to say she it, doesn't. I mean, how have much does she get out? Any of, interactions? I mean, she's also like the spoiled child of this very very wealthy family. Yeah, and who knows how much she gets out? There could be some like I mean I'm not even thinking in terms of like writing or intention. I'm just thinking in terms of like I could see some like developmental yeah shortcomings shortcomings from. In terms girl, of it definitely in like terms of way. in terms of socialization. Yeah. Too and like knowing yeah. And then even this she gets away with it, right? It's like everybody she ends up charming everybody. She like shouts across the table and then like goes head to head with Maria Dmitrievna and then everybody kind of laughs and is like, Oh, she's so charming and so silly. And so it's not like she really has is being expected to yeah act she is her age or or grow up no. right so she sort of gets away with however she ends up behaving so it's it's there's there's some degree to which i think that there's a weird thing in the way that tolstoy writes her and there's some degree to which i can read this and be like i could kind of see yeah how this the, girl winds how, up how being she this way she is, you know yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious as we get more of Natasha and hopefully more of Natasha in a setting outside of something like this, how she'll she'll be. Yeah. I think that that will change how she's viewed, at least by me. And then dinner concludes and we head to the drawing rooms for the, the after drawing dinner. Room. For the after dinner relaxation. Dude, we need to bring back an after dinner. 
like an after dinner relaxation. Mm. We don't have enough of those. We don't have enough dinner parties anymore. No, we don't. Maybe we're just not rich enough. <laughs> Maybe we just need, we should bring back drawing rooms. I just don't think that we're wealthy enough to have a drawing room, Brett. <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. Anyway, rankings? Yes. My turn. What are we going to do here? The German. Uh-huh. We'll put the German in. The German. Nikolai. Nikolai. Shinshin and the Count. Who's the biggest roster? <laughs> <laughs> um, since it's such a great discussion of war, <laughs> of those four, what are you about to say to me right now? <laughs> who makes who makes it the farthest on the landing at Normandy Beach? Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I can swap it out for something else. No, that's like such it. a good one. <laughs> I think Shinshin's making it the farthest. I agree. I think Nikolai is the next because he gets mm. scared and just keeps running. Mm-hmm. The German dies in the water and the Count's not making it off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> the, count, the Count freezes. I don't think that the Count would know what to do. I don't I think agree. that the Count would even be there. Like, I really just don't think that he knows what to do in that situation. <laughs> Even Can like, you imagine him charging out of one of those <laughs> those boats at Normandy? Try and picture that in your head. Imagine. I think. What if the count was like he had he had like a very warlike youth, and now he's a mellowed out older man. Though you know he had like a dark. This is like the other side of a very dark past. <laughs> now you get into a look into my dark and twisted mind. We need the count's dad lore. What's his dad lore? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you all very much. That was chapter sixteen. 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 Sixte